Yahoo! Yippee-i-yay! The American Cowboy, America's Cowboy Mentality. The movie, The Departed, was acclaimed. Aren't video games just an expression of the normal American landscape? To learn more, join me, Dr. Bill Rutenberg, at the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. My guest today is Dr. David Walsh, and we will be discussing the impact of video games on children and their lifestyle. Dr. Walsh is a licensed psychologist and president of the National Institute on Media and the Family, located in Minneapolis, Minnesota. He is a leading authority on family life, parenting, and the impact of media on children. He is on the faculty of the University of Minnesota, the author of several books, and is the spokesperson for the American Medical Association's Media Violence Campaign. Hi, Dr. Walsh, and thank you for joining me at the Clinician's Roundtable. It's a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Karen Dodwell commenting on a book by Joe France and Julian Choate entitled The American Cowboy, The Myth and the Reality. The cowboy represents both a desire for violence and recklessness and also the pursuit of heroism and integrity. The line between good and bad cowboy is ambiguous because some people view the cowboy's will to act, even violently, as an honorable trait, while others are repelled by the aggressive, eager-to-shoot image. So, Dr. Walsh, aren't video games just an expression of what normal Americans do? You know, uh, I think part of the reason that they've captured the imagination is that they are so consistent with the theme that you just described. One of the features of video games in general is that many games, not all, but many games are kind of uh, action-oriented. Many of them are point-and-shoot. In fact, 90% of the games that are rated T or mature or E10. So in other words, 90% of the games that are uh, targeted for kids 10 years of age and older have violence in the games. And so the, the, the theme of violence in the American uh, Western and the theme of violence in video games, at least at this point in their development, those are, uh, are, are interesting parallels. And parallel that I hadn't thought, that I actually hadn't considered before, Dr. Bill, until you just kind of laid it out there. Well, as a kid, I played a lot of Cowboys and Indians. And I must say, I was cowboy half the time and Indian half the time to be politically correct. But I don't think I ended up a particularly violent person. So there must be something yeah. in the behavior, something in the lifestyle that selects a group that go on to become violent. Well, you know, uh, kids who become violent, there is not one factor that determines that. You know, what we do know from research about kids who become violent uh, is that there's usually a constellation of factors that, that come together. And we know what some of those risk factors are. So, for example, we know that kids who are abused, physically abused, are more likely, as they get older, to resort to physical violence themselves. So we know that's a risk factor. We know that kids coming from very violent neighborhoods, that's a risk factor. We know that kids uh, who grow up in families where there's alcoholism or, or mental illness, those are risk factors for violence. We also know that kids who have a heavy diet of media violence, that is also a risk factor. Now, none of those risk factors alone will, you know, uh, give us any certainty that a kid who will be violent, but as the risk factors accumulate, then the probability of violent behavior increases. Are there other lifestyle traits and behaviors you see 
very frequently associated with video gaming? You know, I think one of the biggest impacts that I think we're now paying attention to is literally the amount of time that kids spend with video games. It's a very magnetic type of of media. It's interactive. It's based on a very, very basic psychological principle of stimulus reward. So anybody who's ever taken Psych 101 knows that one of the ways to really influence behavior is that there's a reward for every time I take an action, stimulus reward. And of course, video games are built on that psychological principle. And so they can be very, very enticing for kids. And for a lot of kids, uh, it starts to really add up the number of hours of screen time. And so when we talk about the biggest lifestyle change for kids over the past generation, it's the increase in screen time. Now, it's not all video games. You know, television viewing hasn't increased in the last 20 years. What's increased is that on top of television viewing, we now have a growing number of hours in video games. And then, of course, we've also got computer and Internet use. So in terms of the impact, one of the impacts, aside from the content, is just the number of hours that more and more kids spend playing games. And of course, that means they're not using those hours to uh, engage in other activities. And because video game is sedentary, it's, it's one of the risk factors that contributes to risk for overweight and obesity, as an example. Are there any psychological benefits to children who play video games? Does it meet any particular psychological needs of the child? I think that's a really good question because video games can be beneficial or they can be harmful. I think one of the things that's really important for us to kind of uh, probably establish as we have this discussion is that our discussion, I don't think, will lead us to the conclusion that video games are all good or they're all bad. I think that the conclusion that I draw in my study of video games is that they're powerful. And because they're powerful, they're capable of benefit or they're capable of harm, depending on how we use them. So to address specifically your question, are there benefits, are there psychological benefits, or are there cognitive benefits for, uh, for, for kids playing video games? I think the answer is yes, if they're playing really well-constructed video games that engage kids in critical thinking, problem-solving, nonlinear thinking. These are all things that video games can contribute to. Uh, have you seen anything in terms of spill out into the real world from some of the behaviors they might learn in and playing video games? Yeah, I can give you a couple of examples of, act- of actually beneficial examples. There was a very fascinating study done by a researcher at New York University Medical School in which they actually discovered that among the surgical residents, um, that heavy video gamers picked up the uh, surgical skills more readily than, uh, than uh, a lot of the surgical residents that hadn't been video gamers. And the, the thinking was is that that hand-eye coordination had actually been facilitated uh, by their video game play. That'll probably come in great for the robotic surgery that's being introduced. That, that's exactly correct. Uh, another example is that there have been studies that showing that video gamers become quite adept at things like air traffic controllers, where they're able to track multiple images on a screen simultaneously more effectively than people who have never played video games. So I think in terms of some skills, there is some research out there that would actually show some benefit uh, in some particular areas and domains. And so I think that the field of research on video games, of course, is very, very young because video games themselves 
are very young. Now, some of your listeners might be saying, now, wait a second, video games have been around for more than 30 years. Well, they have, but think of where video games have come in the last 15 years. I mean, if listeners are thinking of Pac-Man as a video game, I mean, that's practically prehistoric. Uh, <laughs> I played Pac-Man, and I'm an old guy. <laughs> Exactly. The technology of video games with the high-resolution graphics and the power of the games, that's really been within the last 10, 15 years. And so, not surprisingly, there isn't a lot of research out there, but there is some. And as the research does start to come in, both on the positive and the negative side, the research really does start to confirm what some of our hopes for video games are and also what some of our concerns about video games are as well. Are there any up-and-coming or about-to-be-released studies that you could perhaps share with us or that you anticipate perhaps being published in the near future? Yes, I think some of the uh, kind of uh, research that I think we should all be really paying attention to are around the topics, for example, of video game addiction, because there is some research around the world being done on that. You know, video game violence gets a lot of attention, and some of the cutting-edge research there involves some brain-based research, which, once again, is, from a brain research point of view, confirming some of the concerns that we've had about video games. And so I would say those are probably two of the areas where there has been some initial research coming out and there's more in the pipeline. Is there a magic number or a range where parents should and physicians should be cognitive of when it's getting to be too long, too many hours at the game? Yeah, Dr. Bill, I'm not trying to avoid your uh, question, but I think we need to kind of create a little bit of a context because increasingly I think what makes sense is to talk about screen time. Uh, because there are some kids who just play video games, and they never watch television. There are other kids where video game play is on top of television. It's on top of computer use. And, and so here's the first finding. Every time we do a survey for the last 20 years, the number of hours that kids spend in front of screens keeps going up. When I first started doing research in this area, which is now almost 20 years ago, screen time was 28 hours a week. It was almost all television. Today, it's 44 and a half hours a week. That's unbelievable. That, it's almost that's, two it, full days. Absolutely. It's an unbelievable increase. And of course, as it, it's, now it's the equivalent of a full-time job. And, and so screen time itself keeps going up. And we know that screen time, not just video games, but if we take screen time in aggregate, we know that as the numbers go up, uh, then the risk for overweight and obesity goes up. And we just did a very, very large study called our SWITCH study in which we confirmed that once again. We're not the first to find that correlation, but we did find it on a large sample of third, fourth, and fifth graders that the number of hours spent in front of a screen was a predictor of risk for overweight and obesity. And so that's clearly a finding. We know from other research that as screen time goes up, then that has an impact on performance in school. Now, it doesn't mean that any screen time is bad. There seems to be kind of what's called a curvy linear relationship. In other words, when kids stay two hours a day and below, then that seems to really doesn't have much of a detrimental effect. It's when it gets to that two hours a day and above that we really start to see some of the areas of concern. Of course, if we're talking about 44 and a half hours a week for the average kid, 
I mean, there are kids in that sample that have 10 hours of screen time a day. So to get that 44 and a half, we know that there are some kids who are plopped in front of a screen for 60, 70 hours a week. And we actually know that from our research, that there are kids who spend that much time literally in front of screens. And so, you know, the American Academy of Pediatrics, their media use guidelines that pediatricians recommend to parents across the country are really based on, on sound research. And, you know, and that would be two hours per day maximum? Exactly. Or the other, the controversial one, one, one which I agree with, but is controversial, is that the American Academy of Pediatrics recommendation for no screen time for children younger than two. Correct, yes. You know, the Academy didn't come up with those recommendations out of thin air. The committee that formed those recommendations, and I know some of the physicians on that committee, really took a look at the research and said, you know, based on what we know from the, from the scientific research, what are some recommendations that we can make to pediatricians to pass along to parents? I'd like to thank you, Dr. David Walsh, for being my guest today, and we have been discussing the lifestyle of a video gamer. I leave you with the words of comedian Jackie Mason, who said, it's not the guns that scare me, it's the bullets. I am Dr. Bill Rutenberg. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. Please send your questions and comments by email to xm at reachmd.com or visit us at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening. I wish you good day and good health.